listening to the Adam and Kyle podcast, where we hope to ignite inspiration through seeking the extraordinary and the ordinary. We will bring you episodes where we will let you in on our decades-long journey as friends and have conversations with guests about their passions, learning through lived experiences, and what challenges and excites them. Also, listen for bonus episodes that revolve around our shared love for music as we take a deep dive into our favorite bands, albums, and what we're spinning. Thanks for hanging out with us. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Adam and Kyle podcast. Thank you for tuning in and hanging out with us today. On today's episode, we are welcoming a very special second guest onto the show. She's a massage therapist and tattoo artist based out of Calgary, a lover of all living things, especially animals, and the proud new owner of the most adorable little pup. She's a rebel with a cause, and oh yeah, she just happens to be my big sister. Please welcome onto the podcast, Amanda Rishog. Hello! And the crowd goes wild. The crowd goes wild. (laughs) How are you? My little bro, I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I'm so stoked. And this is so much fun, and we're we're so teched out right now with all these <laughs> microphones and headphones, and we're like, mm-hmm. I feel like we're adulting. It's exciting. It is. It's like doing an AM radio show, but we're all in different rooms. Yeah, totally. AM radio 2021 version. <laughs> exactly. That's <laughs> actually, my dad was asking about what podcasts are, and I told him exactly <laughs> that. I said, they're like AM radio, but like the Netflix of AM radio, so you get to choose what talk show you listen to. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty much. That's actually, it. that's great. Yeah. I should have told that to my dad, cause, or our dad, Amanda, because he was asking me what what I was up to, and I was telling him about the podcast, and he was just like, what's a podcast? And I was trying to explain to him what it was, and yeah. he was like, I have, I have no idea. <laughs> I was like, I'll have to show you next time. Well, it's just interviews without video, essentially. It's just audio interviews. Yeah, exactly. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me, like I say, of, of talk radio back in the day. We used to go cross country skiing a lot as a family. And on the way out, dad would always listen to talk radio. And this is like listening to podcasts just brings me back to those days. Hmm. Totally. Cool. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We'd always like drive home late at night from their like dinner party. And me and Adam would be asleep in the back seat, And my dad would have the talk radio on and I'd just be in and out of being yeah. asleep and like listening to some weird stories or s- some guy's voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> talking about vitamin D or talking about some ghost house or who knows what. Stu- Stuart yeah, usually McLean. ghost stories or something. Yeah. Stuart McLean. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out. The legend. <laughs> the original podcaster. There, there you go. So Amanda, <clears throat> what have you, what have you been up to lately? Give us uh, give us a little insight <clears throat> as to what your life's looked like in the last little bit. Well, um, just last week, Tuesday, I went to Vancouver to one of my best friend's houses and got a puppy, a baby dog. Little baby puppy. I got a baby dog. Yeah, she's so cute. Her name is Sadie and she's eight weeks old and she's a um, mini Australian shepherd. So they're super, super smart. She's already been very socialized, so she's really chill. And um, so Hmm. my whole life in the last week has totally changed because usually I'm a single woman in my house all by myself and I run my own business. So I'm like, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. It's really easy. I like have literally the most like privileged and cushy lifestyle Mm -hmm. ever. (laughs) And now I'm like not that anymore. It's like she has to go out and pee every two hours at night and 
So I basically have been sleep deprived all week. And, um, and if you leave her alone, she'll chew anything. It's like kind of like having a newborn, but worse because you can't wear diapers and stuff. So it's like right. really a lot of work, but it's fun. <laughs> yeah, that sounds awesome. Well, and newborns probably don't chew through like walls and couches most times. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah they but they cry way yet. more because yeah. she she doesn't cry at all. Uh, and that's then I just and then I just feed her normal food instead of breastfeeding. So I think it's actually easier <laughs> for all you mothers out there. You're doing amazing. Cause I'm doing like 10% of what you do and it's already hard. So anyways, yeah. <laughs> so that's been an adjustment, but I'd say like, even since COVID my life has been like super relaxed. Like I love working hard, but at the same time, I really love downtime where I can just like be outside, do yoga, hang out in my backyard, do gardening, like tons mm -hmm. of walks with friends. Um, yeah, just like allowing the daily stresses of life to like actually unwind. And it's been absolutely amazing actually totally. <laughs> the pandemic i hate to say it but i've enjoyed it i'm sorry yeah no i'm actually feeling much the same amanda it's kind of funny like it's it's i've actually learned a lot about taking some time to myself and like how much the commute was stressing me out for a day job and that sort of thing right. like uh it's it's been interesting for sure and, and i kind of feel like you the pandemic has been a little bit of a blessing in disguise so <laughs> Yeah. yeah, honestly. Yeah. And a lot of people feel that way. Again, we're privileged because we don't have kids and like, you know, it's just us. We get to chill. But I feel bad for the people like with all their kids at home and they're trying to work and homeschool the kids and no, no, no. But um, for those of us that are able to just slow down, it's like super essential. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally. And also, we're definitely blessed that we've managed to stay healthy this whole time, too, because I know that the right. pandemic totally. can be pretty detrimental health wise. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, count our blessings every day pretty much exactly. is the motto. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely had to learn to do that because I haven't worked the entire pandemic, as right. both of you know, <laughs> and, as, and as our listeners yeah. know by now, because I maybe <laughs> complain about it every episode, but I've been, I've been trying to learn to just be in that mindset too of like, oh, I'm just taking this year as like a relaxing kind of recharging year. Because much like yeah. you and, and a lot of people out there have, been working full-time ever since like I was 15 16 years old so right forever yeah and you just get used to it but that doesn't mean it's like a good thing to always be in that state of just go 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 and yeah right gotta unwind definitely so you mentioned a little bit that your um that your life's been a little bit it's been a little bit chill since the pandemic um, but you right. also happened to open your, your own tattoo shop and it was kind of like yeah. right, right in the middle of this, wasn't it? Or at the beginning or. Yeah. So, so yeah, basically in, in 2018, I, so for the three years previous to that, I worked for Atticus tattoo here in Calgary and it was like basically the boot camp of tattooing. They would just like book your schedule completely full. You'd show up, you'd do like four tattoos that day at least. And I did that for three years straight and it was crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, so 2018, I quit that and I was like, I need to just relax for a bit. And then I kind of just tried little shops here and there for most of 2019. And then I was just like, you know what? Screw this. Like, 
at this point, I've got like a huge clientele. I've got, you know, a lot of skill and I'm kind of doing all of the work, but most tattoo shops, they charge like a 45 to 50% commission. Mm -hmm. So that means every single tattoo that you do, 50% of that goes to someone else. And and at this point right. when I'm running my own business, I was just like, this is, this is crazy. And I actually got like vertigo for three months because I was like so stressed out from that. So, so in a way it was good. Cause it pushed me to be like, I'm just going to find my own little private space that I can just pay rent, set up my shop, have all my clients come in. Mm-hmm. You know, I can burn my incense, play my hippie music or whatever. <laughs> um, so so yeah, right at the end of 2019, I finally found that space after like eight months of looking mm-hmm. and got it all licensed and set up. And so yeah, January 1st of 2020, I I started working and then, yeah, I think it was like March, the end of March, right. um, the lockdowns began. So I got Doomsday. three good months of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's absolutely incredible to just have like this huge room all to ourselves, just me and the client, no other noise, no other people. Um, cause the work that I do is it's not just art on your skin. It's a lot about like personal transformation and, mm-hmm you know, going deeper with these ideas of, of why you want to mark your body with certain things. And I do kind of a whole ceremony around it. So it makes sense just to have that private, like healing zone kind of atmosphere. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, Before we uh, kind of get too into uh, that spiritual aspect of it, I was just actually curious, how did you find commercial space? Like, do you just call up a realtor or do you just like look through the classifieds? Like how, how do you um, find that? <laughs> so this particular one, actually, my my boyfriend at the time, he was just literally driving down 17th Ave and it was just a huge banner like on the on the porches or whatever that said commercials or office space for lease. Um, but I'd looked at so I just went on Kijiji and I literally would just type in office space for lease. Gotcha. Um, so I would just look them up, look them up. And, but the thing is that the zoning is a big deal because if it's zoned to be an office you can't do anything that is not office in that building without getting it rezoned which costs a lot of money and you have to go through the city so just to find a space that i was legally allowed to do tattooing in it that's why it took eight months because i looked everywhere and it was like oh well this is retail space um so i can't like tattoo out of there because it's a whole other jurisdiction because I'm opening skin and it involves blood and blah, blah, blah. So, um, for me, it was, it was a lot to find it. And then I eventually did. So yeah. Very cool. Okay. No, that's good. I, the only reason I ask is I'm going to be looking for commercial space in the near future here, relatively near future and just have no idea how to go about that. So I would just do Kijiji. Yeah. And then keep Mm. your eyes just literally open because there's signs everywhere all the time. Yeah. Just drive around in neighborhoods you like and look. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Um, and your and your opening <laughs> your opening came didn't or didn't come without any like challenges because like we mentioned, you opened and then just a couple months after the pandemic started, and then you've had to deal with like things being shut down and then reopening mm-hmm. and then you being able to like rebook clients and then having to push clients. And then you even had like that crazy, that like water break, water pipe break in your (laughs) space. 
Totally. Yeah. So what is what has it been like navigating through all of that? I mean, I know it's been stressful, but um, I tend to not get stressed just naturally. Like I find I'm a pretty even keeled person, and I weirdly see like the blessings and things again. So it's like. It's like, oh, you're shut down. But to be honest, I tend to book myself like way too full. So I'll like book myself to burnout mode and then it'll be like, oh, there's another lockdown. And then I'm like, oh, thank God. Like (laughs) now I don't have to burn myself out completely. So it's actually been Mm -hmm. a huge lesson to learn like where my limits are. Um, Because I don't want to say no to people. Like when I open my books, I've got, you know, hundreds of emails and they're like, we all want tattoos. And then I'm like, okay. And then I pack my calendar. Um... But even the thing with the water, like we'll get into the, all that spiritual stuff later, but I'm a super symbolic person. So, Mm -hmm. um, even the water pipes breaking to me is a symbol of like me in my life, you know, suppressing emotions and like holding things in and like not letting literally the waters flow. So when things like that happen, it's actually like a crazy release of energy. Um, it's also science because it was the week of, um, like below 40 at night or at least like 30 below at night it was during that cold spell and it's an old building so it's all like hot water running through pipes or whatever so if I don't have the heat cranked to like 30 degrees when I leave that night the pipes will freeze overnight and then when they try to reheat in the morning it just like literally exploded so the whole room filled with water within like three minutes and then it's like boil it's but it's boiling water so the whole room is full of steam and it's like hissing and it's like hot and and somehow and it happened during a tattoo which was actually good because then i was able to get all of my equipment out of the room as fast as possible with the help of my client who was also luckily a really chill person Hmm. So we just went into beast mode. I just phoned the, the, uh, 911. I was like, I think I need the fire department. Like there's a pipe burst and things are flooding very rapidly and blah, blah, blah. So the fire department got there within about five, seven minutes and, but like total flood, like completely flooded and then going into all the apartments below me and stuff like that. So, um, it was crazy. Um, so then for about two weeks I was displaced down the hall, um, But weirdly, it was kind of fun because like if I if my life is too the same every day, I get super like kind of depressed and like mundane. I'm like, oh, everything's just the same every day. Wake up, go to work, blah, blah, blah. So it was like a weird like vacation. I got to like, oh, go work in this other office and like, oh, look it, it's all new. And there was like fish tanks in there. So I'm like definitely, I don't know, the glasses full kind of person. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just see honestly things as like an adventure. Because it wasn't like if I had to pay for all of the damages, maybe I would be singing a different tune, but right. it wasn't my responsibility because I don't own the building. So, right, yeah. Right. So I try that's, to just make the best of things, really, essentially. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. I, I can't imagine like being in the room when the pipe bursts and it just, that's a lot. It was wild, but I weirdly like during crazy situations, I get extremely calm and like all of my senses are really heightened and I just know exactly what to do. Like I go into like mom mode, like I'm just like, adrenaline's a hell of a drug. Right. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, (laughs) this is happening. And just like clearly and calmly just let's move all of the really expensive things out of the room that's flooding. (laughs) Like, yeah. 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 (laughs) So, yeah, I'm the, I'm the same way, Amanda. I wonder if it's, I wonder if it's genetics. Yeah, we're super chill. Chelsea mentions <laughs> to me all the time that when we kind of get into 
shitty situations that I'm always really calm and collected and I just try right. and always think a way out of it. Well, yeah, because so. like literally what else is there to do? Like panicking doesn't serve anything. No, you. that's when you mm -hmm. make mistakes and you make bad choices. And yeah, it's uh, it's the same way my family, like my dad's always been like that. And then I inherited it and so did my brothers, um, which is good because we've been in some hairy situations like out in the woods and stuff and getting... <laughs> I thought, you were, I thought you were going to refer to your faces. Because you're, you're, you're all very hairy, hairy men. Hairy-faced. Oh. <laughs> uh, no, just being, being out hunting, we've had some... Yeah, I see. <laughs> some hairy situations. Um, no, but it, that, that adrenaline kick and that focus, I think, is uh, really important to getting out of those situations. So good mm -hmm. on you. Yeah. Like even the other day, it was about two weeks ago now. Um, it was the one day I didn't lock my car for whatever reason. And also the one day I left my wallet in the car, which I never do literally. Mm -hmm. And then of course, um, my wallet got stolen that night and it had like $800 cash in it and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, ouch. I was like, you know what though? Like the person that goes along at night, like looking for things, like they're obviously have a traumatized and like sad life i'm like if i can you know honestly that's not like it's yeah it's a lot of money but like i can make that easily next week or whatever and i was just right. like you know chill about it and like hopefully they had the best time ever and blah 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 and like my mom was just like how can you see things like that i was just like but like getting enraged <laughs> yeah. about something i cannot change is like there's no point to that so it's such a waste of energy right yeah, it really feel, is yeah. but but not everyone's wired like that. But I'm thankful that I'm, yeah, low anxiety, mm -hmm. essentially. <laughs> That's pretty remarkable. Yeah. yeah. I used to get upset about stuff like that. And it was actually through, like, reading and growth that I, I grew out of that. And to the point where, like, I only really get upset about things I can control. Right. But, like, if things are out of my control, yeah, it's like, well, that happened. Right. Can't change that, it now. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, you just surrender and... I was mad yep. for like one minute and did some breathing and swore a bunch. And I was like, all right, well, <laughs> that's what it is. So I hope they had the best time. Yeah. They probably yeah. did. I wonder what that $800 got them. Oh, man. Probably it's a real a lot good of smack. Drugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hope no one overdosed because of that. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Jeez. Take it to the dark place. <laughs> Take it to the dark. Yeah. No, they just got all their 20 friends and got super hammered and had the best day. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to go back to uh, your tattooing just really quick before we move on. Yeah, I, did I was it. curious as to I was curious as to what ultimately led you to choosing that as a career, and okay. I was also um, I also wanted to say that I think it's also really cool that you're doing that because obviously growing up with you and seeing all the stuff that you used to like draw and. Mm -hmm. how talented of an artist you were i think it's i always thought it was pretty cool that like you transitioned that into putting your art onto other people's bodies mm -hmm. and in and obviously it's like permanent and lasting their entire yeah. life yeah totally. and you mentioned <laughs> that you like kind of make a ceremony out of it and like it's like a like they're sacrificing a part of their body body essentially um, and right. trusting you with putting yeah. your art on them. So I was curious as to what, what it was about tattooing that's so fulfilling for you and, and what it feels like to have something like 
that you created on someone's body mm-hmm. for the rest of their lives, much like this yeah. one and this one. And yeah, my bro ones. is one of the handful of people that I tattooed first. Um, so to answer your first kind of question, I did not choose it. Like, I find in life I just kind of do things because they're fun and I like them, and then somehow it like turns into a lucrative thing one day. Um, cause I've never been like, Oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? I've always, my concerns are always more like, I want to have fun with my friends and like, be cool. <laughs> so like, <laughs> what, what do you want to do as a job was like literally never on my mind. But, um, yeah. so basically what, I mean, I've been an artist my whole life. Like Adam says, like, I think from the age of like four years old, I remember our dad, like kind of showing me how to color things and like giving me tips on how to draw things. Um, and so for my entire life, I've just been drawing like pretty much literally every single day, um, up like up until now still. So being an artist has always been who I am. And mm-hmm. then tattooing itself was actually, um, like a boyfriend at the time. He, he would do stick and pokes on himself. And that was just kind of like a cool thing back then. It's also really cool now, but, um, <laughs> I was like one of the first people to ever do it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so we were, we were just hanging out. Yeah. Right. So all you need is, you know, some needles and some ink. So he would just do these little stick and pokes on himself. And I was like, Oh my God, I want to try that. Like you're just tattooing yourself. That's so cool. So then I tried it on him. Um, and it just felt really cool. I was just doing lines like little, like a black line or whatever, but I just really connected with the feeling of it right away. And then of course, like, I think that night I did like a little design on my leg and I got, I just found it really easy and like, I could do it really, really well. So I got like obsessed with it. And so I just like was doing designs on my legs. And then of course my friends, I was living in Victoria at the time, just essentially like running away from life and being like, I have no idea what I'm doing or where I'm going, but here I am in Victoria randomly living. Um, so then like slowly, but surely friends would want little things. So, um, Mm -hmm. I would just do little designs for them and it just kind of all grew from there. Um, and so the people I was hanging out with at that time and like kind of my life at that time was like going to music festivals, like Shambhala and, you know, like, having party drugs and dancing all night and spiritual awakenings basically every single day. And you're just like, Whoa, life is so crazy. And like, Oh my God, it's all good. So (laughs) when we were doing these tattoos, um, we would just bring that into it. Like, you know, just sacred symbols and like little things that would, that you resonated with. And we would tattoo them in and we'd like burn, you know, burn sage and all that kind of stuff and purify ourselves and have like very specific reasons and prayers for, um, doing these symbols. Um, and then kind of, as I got to do it on myself, it became really about personal transformation. So say there was so this same person that, um, that I learned it from ended up being kind of one of my biggest, like heartbreak kind of things in my life. So actually during our breakup and all this, which lasted two years, by the way, it was a crazy on and off thing. But, um, so I had to learn like so many lessons within myself, like about how to be strong through that. And like, you know, even Mm -hmm. if you're breaking up with someone, like you're still important and you still matter and you're still worthy and like all these kinds of things. So it was actually for me, a lot of really personal, um, 
like empowering things. So I would like create a symbol for this personal empowerment for myself. And I would literally like make Mm. a prayer about it. And then I would tattoo it into my skin with like the deepest intention. And it was like crazy how much my life would transform after these ceremonies. Um, Mm. So then I started to do that for others. And now I'm at the point where I talk to people and I kind of get their story and it's almost like therapy in a way. And then I literally go into a meditation and see like what, what their symbol is and like, see, you know, the art and the energy that wants to come through for them. And then I draw it down. And so, Mm -hmm. so I'm literally just like channeling art for the person and for the client. So it's like it's theirs. It's it's my art technically, but it also isn't because it's not coming from my subconscious. I'm like going into that person's energy and like drawing things for them. So um, that's kind of how it all works. And yeah, I find people can take it as deeply or as not as they want. Um, I think just beauty in itself is also an energy and also a prayer. So if it's just to like look cool or be beautiful, I think that's just as important as like, oh, I want to like transform all the deepest shadows of my whole life. Like, you know, it's <laughs> it's a spectrum just like everything. So right. yeah. Um, that's really, yeah. Sorry, were you all finished? Uh, Amanda, yeah, I just went off you. a rant there. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, it was good. I was actually just uh, going to dig a little bit deeper into that because uh, you mentioned earlier that you're a very spiritual person and what you've alluded to here or, or said very outright is that you're very spiritual. And um, can you dig into that a little bit more? Like how, how does, how, in your perspective, how can you go into that person's field of view and, and pick up their art? Like how, how does that work in the world as you see it? Um, essentially, how do I start that? Okay. So basically I, I believe that in all of existence, things come from either like, it's a very dense to a very subtle realm of energy, right? So if you take a rock, you learn this in school, a rock is obviously Mm -hmm. more dense than a gas for just to put it simply. So, um, I think through my entire twenties, I learned a lot of yoga. Again, I did a lot of like transformational dance festivals with a lot of plant medicines and party drugs, I guess you could say. So (laughs) through these experiences, a person learns that, yes, they're a physical dense body. And we also have subtler and subtler and subtler levels of awareness and um, perception. Right. Mm -hmm. So so I find through through those journeys through my 20s, I just came to a place where I can you know, just close my eyes and I, I just like see it and I just imagine it. I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain. <laughs> no, that, that's pretty cool. It actually aligns with, uh, um, my belief about energy in the world as well. Like I, I um, it, uh, I've got a very scientific background. Like I, I, I'm an engineer and I've like math and I like logic and I like analysis, but I also grew up uh Christian. And so kind of coming to terms with how that all worked, what I've come to is that like, energy can't be created or destroyed we are all one being like the earth is all the energy and um ultimately I've, i do believe that there's ways to talk to each other and it's kind of cool or or see into each other's energies and it's kind of cool that you seem to have tapped into that mm-hmm. and uh it uh in, you kind of mentioned that it was the first openings to that were through drug-induced experiences 
um, which I, I know I definitely want to ask about a little bit later, but yeah, uh, <laughs> um, as our Adam and I's mom was, is going to listen to this, but she knows, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. as, as adult, I feel like there's a statute of limitations. Like I'm going to say some stuff in this podcast and my mom listens as well too. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, my sister is psychic, Kyle. I don't know if you knew this, so I think that helps. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. No. Like, like I, like I am and I'm not, I mean, like we would, there would just be hilarious moments when we were kids where I would literally guess like the next song to come on the radio, but like, who's to say <laughs> if it was a no, fluke no, that's, or not. That's kind of more like a, a running joke between the two of us. Though. Yeah, but it is, I, I got you. but it, but it is a running joke. And I definitely have had like psychic moments all the time. Um, but I think everyone has those yeah. faculties. Like we're all born with the same glands in our brains and whatever. Um, and it's mm-hmm. just other people are more prone to it. Just like not everyone's going to be able to like run a marathon. It's like you, you can if you train for it, but like other people are born more predisposed to that or not. Right. Um, yeah. For sure. And in touch with the energies, like a lot of that is very uh, um, Eastern medicine as well, right? Like right. having energy lines and being in touch with, yep. well, I can't remember what they call, but the earth lines and how ley they- Ley lines, yeah. S- ley lines, Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to go back to that because on top of that, I took um, for two years in Victoria, I did massage school, um, but it wasn't like the usual RMT. So it was called Eastern Integrated Body Therapies or something like that. So it was like Thai massage, Ayurvedic massage. So yeah, all Eastern practices. So you learn all about the meridians in the body. You learn all about like the elements like earth, air, fire, water, and how they show up in the body. Um, so I think my also decade of doing energy work and massage on people's bodies, like got me super, super in tune again with, with the energies and how things are working and each person's kind of own expression of that so um so yeah it's kind of all of that all all mixed together somehow that's cool do you find that the symbols that you put on people kind of match up with meridian lines that kind of influence their experience yeah i wouldn't say the meridian lines per se but definitely just the areas of the body um you know, for example, if you tattoo things on the legs, it's going to be really grounding because like the lower body is all about like grounding down towards the earth. And then if mm. you tattoo around someone's say like stomach or solar plexus, that's all about personal power and like the fire centers of the body. And then tattooing anywhere around the heart, the chest, the arms, all of that is your, your like heart centers and your connection with others. And that's like air energy. So so I think subconsciously people always kind of choose where they want their tattoo because it makes sense. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. we very intentionally choose exactly where they go for those purposes. But I find just, yeah, subconsciously people just feel where they need that healing. And um, yeah, it's really cool. Just people's intuition usually knows first where they want mm. it. So, yeah. That's really cool. It um, is. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I. Uh, it's all connected. <laughs> it's fascinating. It's all meaningful. Yeah, well, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, and it's 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 a world that uh, I've been opening up to more in the last few years. But uh, like I say, I come from a very scientific background and very Western scientific background. So it's it's interesting trying to you know piece it all together, and then also being raised, um, in religion as raised Lutheran, and so kind of making that all work together and how that all resolves. Mm-hmm. 
Do you like what in the last two years has made you super more interested in it? Um, I would have to say that science definitely, as we know it now, has a limit to what can be explained. Right. And so I feel like listening to experiences of a huge amount of people, um, there has to be some clout to that. And so the first time I, I heard this kind of stuff was actually when I started listening to podcasts mm-hmm. and listening to people and, and their experiences with you know, connecting to the earth energy and, and that sort of thing. And, and then as you dig into it, there's just so many people have had the same experience. And so um, that really made me believe that there's probably some truth to this. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, they're yeah. like and, anecdotal evidence, but it's like times how many millions of people though, like, duh. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. And, and I don't think that truth always has to be measured like there's so much we don't understand and there's so much limitations to the human brain like well while we perceive that on this earth that we are the smartest beings there are that we're still only limited by what we can conceive of right like an ant probably believes that it's the most smart being that it can exist but it can't comprehend like what we are as humans right yeah yeah um i just had one more question on this topic but um what's the connection or correlation for you between like organized religion and spirituality as you've kind of defined it and experienced it yeah so i've i've thought about this a lot all the time essentially um for me what it always comes back to is i mean essentially it's like the battle between good and evil um so i believe Mm -hmm. that humans are born we have free will um we're able to make choices and I think inevitably in our lives, we're going to do things that we feel crappy about. Like, I think it depends on how our parents raise us, obviously, but people grow up with like shame and doubt and fear and all of those like lower emotions, as you could call them. And Mm -hmm. from what I've learned about religions, for me, like the bottom line in all of them is like how to purify one's self. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's like how to not feel guilty for the bad shit we do, <laughs> essentially. So, yeah. um, you know, like like even in in Hinduism, they they do the mala beads and they you know they say these prayers over and over and over, just like the rosary. It's like you're you're cleansing your mind and you're cleansing your heart of the struggles of being human, and through through releasing that heavy energy you're able to connect to like a higher source of energy and it's it's hard to say whether that's like outside of us in the terms of like oh god or jesus he's up in the clouds it's like is it a place external from us or is it simply like a state of consciousness within the human mind that we like can access essentially anytime um Mm -hmm. so i think organized religion it was just a way to show people how to get to that state. It's like, Oh, here's a list of rules and things like maybe this will help you suffer less as a human. Um, because human life generally is suffering. Like, yes, it's great, but yes, it's also super hard because we physically need to exist and like survive and then mentally and then emotionally and then spiritually. So, right. So that's kind of the correlation. And then for me, spirituality is just kind of like, 
literally everything that the human consciousness has learned from the beginning until now is just all in this giant crazy mashup of of experience and so spirituality to me is like literally all of it together all at once and then organized religion is like all the different Mm. little spokes of the wheel that one could go down to learn things i guess okay okay yeah yeah no for sure (laughs) that's cool and when it when it comes to like tapping into that that earth energy or that that spirituality or that uh, consciousness that you were talking about. Um, I was wondering about your perspective on like certain practices to get there. And you, we had mentioned before, like um, kind of like the, the psychedelics and mm-hmm. um, the party drugs, if you want to call them that. And is, is that something are those ways to kind of tap into that that part of yourself as well yeah yeah definitely um those are just some of the many billions of ways to tap into it Mm -hmm. um coming back again to the fact that we're like in a body with both dense and subtle energies existing at the same time. So even going for a run and getting all of your energy moving through your body and all of your blood pumping and all of those happy endorphins, if you were to like go for a run for half an hour and then just like stop and like look around and breathe deeply, like you would see more vivid colors. You would hear sounds better. Like it's all about just activating the human vessel to perceive more subtle energies. Um, So that can happen in any way. You can sit down and learn to meditate. And then if you were to go stand in the backyard, you'd be like, whoa, like everything's so magical. Um, So yes, substances that you, that are external from us, we can ingest those. So like all cultures on all, like all over the planet have had their medicines that they ingest, whether it's peyote or ayahuasca or magic mushrooms or even tobacco, even alcohol, like spirits, like mm. all of these things that are from the earth are, can be used to, to heighten those states of consciousness. Um, but so can things like prayer and service to others and, you know, things like yoga and Tai Chi, again, you're taking your human vessel and you are essentially like plugging it into the battery to be recharged. So if you do Mm -hmm. these practices, you're, you're activating your meridians and your chakras and your subtle energies, as well as detoxifying your organs and detoxifying the body. Therefore you're less Mm. dense and able to perceive more subtle energies. But a quick way to do that, like you could meditate every day for a year and maybe you would reach the points that you reach if you were to just sit down and smoke DMT with your friends. And that would happen in in 30 seconds, whereas it might take Mm -hmm. lifetimes for people to reach that state of consciousness like naturally. (laughs) Um, Right. So there's lots and lots of different ways. Even the like the indigenous peoples of North America, they would use sweat lodge like you would go in and you would sweat your friggin balls off and you would pray and you would be together and you would release like the deepest, heaviest feelings from your heart and your soul. Mm -hmm. And you would your spirit skyrockets and they're not using Mm -hmm. drugs or whatever. So there's so many ways to just perceive subtle. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
one of the things I tried recently, actually, um, when I was going, started going down this path was, uh, holotropic breath work. Right. Yep. Again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was phenomenal. Like you, it was, uh, you, you, I did a guided one. So I found a service online that did it and I've, I've done it a few times now, but essentially for those who don't know, it's, uh, you, you listen to some very cultural music, a pretty, uh, journey like music and it's all instrumental and you do some heavy breathing and uh basically like it felt like doors were opening in my body like there was emotions that i experienced that were like heavily buried that i had never dealt with from childhood and then in my teenage years and even in my early adult years and i like over the course of a few weeks just through breathing for an hour every once in a while um was able to pull all those up and deal with them and it Mm. actually opened up so much mental space for me yeah it was phenomenal That's amazing. I'm so glad you did that. That sounds incredible. That's yeah. epic. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was very cool. And so um, along these same I, paths. But before um, you move on, talked- Kyle, I just, I just sure. wanted to ask you quickly how you, uh, how you came to the, to the point of like wanting to research that and like, what, what was it that you were like, oh, I'm going to look up this breathing exercise and, and do it. How did you get to that point? Um, it was through a number of, of things. So, um, we've talked to Adam about, uh, a few of my experiences in history on, 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 on this podcast, right. And, and different, um, big events in my life. And I found that over the last year, I felt like I was kind of like in a rut. Like I felt like something was blocking me and I couldn't figure out what it was. And so in going, I tried going to therapy and that didn't really help. And then I tried um just you well it did i shouldn't say that it did help me get past a lot of things but i still felt like something was blocking me and so i just went down a youtube path and i and and podcasts as well and i learned about uh this holotropic breathing just down a youtube rabbit hole and then decided to try it (laughs) and that's that same rabbit hole um has kind of informed me of like um psychedelics when you smoke them quite often you can have a ego death and it's something I haven't experienced myself, but I've been very curious to try because I feel like my own ego is an ego from the the state of uh, uh, from the definition of being your consciousness and not your subconscious. But I feel like my ego's been block been that blockage, you know. Like I've put hmm. up emotional walls and I've put up mental walls that are are preventing me from living my best life. Hmm. Yeah, dude, I hear that. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So I've, uh, I've been, I never had tried, uh, magic mushrooms before. And I tried, I had a, f- a fairly hefty dose a while back and didn't get high off of them. So I'm going to try more next really? time. But huh. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're a, you're <laughs> like I've a Viking. Wanting... You're a large mass of human. So that's right. Like I've got a high tolerance to a lot of things. So it wasn't a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> I've always needed, I just... I've always needed more to feel something too. Hmm. Yeah, so I, uh, um, I, I just didn't want to do too much for my first time because I was doing it by myself. And like I told my brother, I'm like, hey, if I call you, like I, I just need a little help. I'm doing this on, on the weekend. Mm-hmm. But, um, but then just nothing happened. Like I had a good afternoon. I listened to some music and then I did some work. And like it was a great afternoon, <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't the ego death that no. I was looking for. So, <laughs> But did you feel like energized and like kind of funny and like, you know? I, I did right. like I just like I was just sitting at my computer and I was literally working I was I was working on a design and I had never had that much fun 
working before. Like it just mm. everything nice. just felt better. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, um, so I think that Amanda, you alluded to earlier that you've had many ego deaths. <laughs> no, 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 uh, no, not ego no? deaths okay. per se. Just lots of just lots of experiences, like being in altered states of states of consciousness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So have you have you had an ego death before then? I think like I don't know how to define them, but definitely like once for sure, like a hundred a hundred percent for sure. Once I have, um, I it was in. Should I talk about it now? Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I was in Victoria, and a bunch of friends of mine and I had made mushroom tea, um, like a few weeks before, and we all did it together, and blah blah blah, and had so much fun, and it was very strong. Like even when we all did it together, I just remember. Like we were out in a field and like even just putting my hands up to the sunlight and like the insane amount of energy and like literal information. I was like talking to the sun through my hands, essentially. That's how strong they were. Um, <laughs> so we didn't yeah. finish at all because we were like, holy, holy shit. So so this jar of like frozen um, mushroom tea had been sitting in my freezer for like a couple weeks and then all my roommates were going to be out of the house and I had like some time on the weekend. So I was like, ooh, maybe I should like thaw that out and just drink that <laughs> by myself. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was, I definitely, I definitely had an ego death. Like f- first of all, physiologically, it was like, probably the craziest thing I've ever been through like I all I could do is just go into my bed and like surround myself with blankets because I was like shaking uncontrollably like the amount of energy that was moving through my body and through my nervous system and uh so mushrooms are also cleansing on a physical level as well so I was like just leaking out of my eyes and like sweating so I was like dripping wet and just shaking and just like and also, of course, like tripping hard. So like seeing all these mm-hmm. crazy things and hearing all these crazy things. So for the first like few hours, I kind of just had to physically let myself release all of this really intense energy in my body while having like a lot of um, psychological journeys and whatever. Um, and then everything mm-hmm. kind of came to a still point And I just kind of kind of stepped down and kept going deeper and deeper and deeper into my subconscious where yeah, I just like kind of felt all of like the guilt and all of the shame and all of the, I guess, like bad feelings that I'd ever felt like in my entire life about everything, (laughs) like my teenagehood and like how I was such a rebel and how like, you know, terrible I was to my parents. Cause I used to like run away for like four days at a time, like no word of where I was not going to school, just like out having fun with my friends. Obviously like we weren't honestly doing anything bad but like I kind of put my parents through absolute hell in my rebellion phase so like all of that kind of stuff like it was just like the deepest guilt and like just like mm. like I am such a terrible person and blah 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 and, 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 and just yeah like the weight of essentially like every negative emotion in my entire life <laughs> so mm. my only way like through that though was like like all you can do is accept all of that and and it sounds simple to say but like that actual realization and like transformation in my own subconscious was the ego death it's like all you can do is accept and like everything mm. is just exactly 
what it was and everything happened exactly the way it was meant to happen and it took me a good few hours like every time fear would come up I would just accept and like surrender and every time anxiety would come up I would just accept and surrender accept and surrender like over and over and over for like four hours probably and like Hmm. yeah I just like combed through my entire subconscious and just like loved and accepted like every single part of it so I think that's an ego death (laughs) That that sounds like what I've been described as ego death. Yeah, <laughs> and that's not to say though yeah. I still still to this day have like super massive ego issues though. Like I still have lots of insecurities. Mm-hmm. I still have lots of self doubt. I still have lots of like I still hold back like way more than I should. So it's not saying like you'll do it once and you'll be healed forever. I think it's a lifetime journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. I, I think so too. Yeah. And I, I think that one of the podcasts kind of addressed that, that like everyone's aiming for this ego death and it's like, well, like it's definitely helpful, but it's definitely not like the fix. Right. Like you've got to do ongoing work to, totally. to keep that ego in right, check. Exactly. Yeah. A, a lot of people that I've read about or heard about, cause like I haven't experienced this myself, but a lot of them have described an ego death as a, a turning point mentally. Um, and, and in life. So, hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think you just kind of get to get to that point and even even just on like a subconscious level, you don't need to like search for that as much anymore because you recognize yourself as like a divine being connected to all the things, like all the oneness. Mhm. So like all the separation that the psyche experiences kind of was resolved probably quite a bit in that experience, so you right. don't need to like seek that out as much, which is, that's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah and I think in general, just for, for our listeners, like we're talking about our experiences today, but um, you definitely have to make your own choices and make sure you understand the risks before you go down any of these yeah. roads. Definitely research and do it with the right people, people that you trust. Yeah. And in, in a safe environment and, for sure. Yeah. 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 And if, and if you choose it to do it at all, like it's definitely something that, uh, um, you have to want to do and want to do for the right reasons. Yeah, exactly. And then the integrating afterwards, like um, kind of any psychedelic journey you're doing is going to bring up a lot of things. So just knowing that afterwards you're going to want to integrate, you know, the things that you learned and the things that you saw. And that's also a very important part of it as well. What does integrating look like? I know I had to do it after the holotropic breathing uh, exercise, um, but what does it look like from your perspective to integrate? Um, I don't know. I think just taking the time, like even Adam said, he went and sat against a fence and like (laughs) chilled out. So I I think integrating is just, I don't know, just taking the time and just understanding that maybe a lot of feelings and thoughts that you didn't expect you would have are going to come up and just to and just to be open-minded and to be in a place of acceptance for any thoughts and feelings that might come up and then just kind of lovingly just accepting them as they come I think is important because maybe a lot of things will come up and people will kind of bang their heads against it and being like oh well you know I don't want to be that way or oh I don't want to accept that part of myself or I don't want to accept the trauma that happened to me as a kid or whatever so I think just gentleness and open-mindedness is, is part of integrating, just being like, yeah, you might feel kind of whack for a week and like just cry all the time for no reason, but just know that that's part of it. But everyone's different. 
yeah, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. yeah. For sure. So I guess to define integration, it's basically the act of taking your experience and uh, whether it's from meditation or breathing exercises or or a psychedelic or a drug, but basically approaching them with from a place of self-love and acceptance and just like kind of taking things as they are. Yeah. Like that's what integrating is defined yeah, 100%. as. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. Well, I th- well, I think that this is a really good spot for a ad break. And then uh, once we get back, we can chat a little bit more about some of the offshoots from these experiences. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys awesome. shortly. The Adam and Kyle podcast is sponsored by Phoenix Song Productions. Phoenix Song Productions is an AV system provider and integrator specializing in live sound production and recording. Phoenix Song Productions also offers technical consultations, permanent installations, and rentals. Phoenix Song's newest offerings include live streaming consultations, on-site audio and video recording, as well as technical and creative education. Check our website at www.phoenixsongproductions.com for the next education or entertainment event. Follow us on social media. Check the show notes below for links to our website and all of our social pages. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that uh, quick little break. Uh, While we were on break, we actually, Adam came back with an Oreo in his hand and we got chatting Mm -hmm. about Oreos. Uh, Amanda, can you describe to our audience how you eat Oreos? <laughs> yeah, so it's like, it's almost mathematical. So if there's a whole Oreo, I'll dunk exactly half of the Oreo in milk and then, you know, eat that part that's been dunked. Mm-hmm. And then that remaining half, I'll take exactly half of that piece and dunk that in the milk and then eat that. So I'm left with this perfect last one quarter of an Oreo. And then I'll usually just with my fingers, sit it in there and dunk it. But then when you chew it, there's still like those crunchy parts from where your fingers were touching the Oreo where the milk couldn't reach. So you just have to accept that just like life. You just got to (laughs) accept the crunchy parts. So that's my Oreo philosophy. Uh, yeah. That's good. I love that. <laughs> that's a very. You... Sh- <laughs> it's a very what? what? I was gonna say it's a very chefy way of eating Oreos because like that's playing around with textures and shapes right. and it's great. I used well, to. We are we are chefs. Adam and I used to create <laughs> lots of weird stuff after school to eat. <laughs> mainly rice. That'll be a different podcast. Yeah, mainly rice with. OXO powder in it. It was so good. Yeah. Uh, I used to eat dad's cookies that way by dipping half in and, and, but I hated the crunchy parts on dad's cookies. So either I would stick like my fingers actually into the milk and get my fingers all up my milk, or I just drop the last little bit into the milk. And then for my last (laughs) mouthful, I would just swirl it all around and drink it. And it was like cookie. really? Yeah. It was like cookie soup. Yeah, that's weird. Oh, that's fine. I would rather a few crunchy bits than total s- slog. Slog. <laughs> Slosh. I don't know what. What's the word I'm looking for? Sog. S- yeah, sog. Soggy. So yeah, sog. Soggy. <clears throat> okay, cool. So yeah, before the break, we were talking um, about psychedelics, which is a yeah. far cry from Oreos. I was going to say sharp left <laughs> turn coming up here. <laughs> Um, but if you've ever done psychedelics, all it is is sharp left turns. Fair enough. Because all of a sudden you're like, dude, this cookie though, have you ever really thought about what a cookie even is? <laughs> Anyways. 
sorry go on no that's that's good stuff i mean ultimately talking on like energy and the, the earth like nothing's actually touching that cookie nothing in that cookie is actually touching or like the bridge you walk across right. nothing's touching right we're all made up of the same atoms but exactly uh so a lot of people that have experimented with psychedelics typically go into microdosing um after the fact and so like have you microdosed or do you microdose amanda um yes i do um not on a regular basis like i'll have i have some that a good friend of mine made and it's each capsule has i think 0.1 or 0.008 of a gram okay um to to the point where i still would not like plan to not have to drive afterwards and things like that because i'm very very sensitive so i swear even just smelling mushrooms i get high from that a little bit <laughs> like literally yeah. um so microdosing is a great way to gently just it's mostly honestly for an energy boost like it gives you tons of energy um it just again makes everything a little bit happier a little bit brighter a little bit more alive essentially like like your senses are just heightened um a lot of people use it for if they're integrating and going through therapy because mushrooms they increase the neuroplasticity in your brain so if you're introducing new theories and new ideas and new things into your life microdosing can be a really good way to integrate new thought forms um, to kind of erase old thought forms that are not serving your life anymore so mm. it's a great way to transition if you're if you're wanting to just you know level up in life in general yeah yeah, yeah one up it's like uh like playing super mario and eating mushrooms it's just it's just right. a one up there uh, you go maybe that's what that was yeah. derived from maybe you never know probably oh yeah probably uh, i've been i've been experimenting with microdosing i'm the same as you i'm not very consistent at it but it's usually exactly that when i've either got like a lot of hard work to do that i got to think about pretty hard or if i'm just feeling a little bit blocked up again i'll use a microdose for a week or two but uh i find i microdose like 300 milligrams to get where i want to be okay mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah but uh no, it, it's really good. And there's lots of research on microdosing uh, psychobilin. Psych I can never say it. Psilocybin. Psilocybin, thank you. Psilocybin. Psilocybin. That's all good. Uh, but there's a lot of research in, in that in treating mental illness with like depression and anxiety and stuff and i think that there's a lot of promising yeah, completely results happening and i i have a suspicion that mushrooms are going to go the same way that marijuana did in canada where it's going to yeah. be legalized it's going to be sold at storefronts and it'll be like sold right yeah. alongside marijuana interesting as well as um being integrated into counseling and um like psychotherapy totally especially for people with like extreme trauma in their lives um it's it's absolutely incredible for breaking down um yeah those barriers and another fun thing about mushrooms is that like i'm sure you've all heard of the word mycelium so so if you were to just take a white button, it's okay. So mycelium, so this is literally what mushrooms are. So if you were to go into the forest, into the moss and kind of dig down, you will inevitably see like a little bit of white kind of fibrous tissue. So mm -hmm. if you were to go to the grocery store and pick up a white button mushroom and just kind of 
open the stem it's like white fibrous tissue Mm -hmm. so that's those are literally like the fiber optic cables of planet earth so the entire surface of the globe you know underneath the roots underneath the rocks underneath the forest floor is connected through the mycelium network Hmm. So that's how that's mycelium is literally the way that nutrients are passed from, you know, dead decomposing things and then and then transferred into feeding other life forms. So mushrooms essentially break down dead material and then send those nutrients into places where it is needed. So I think even symbolically what it's doing in our psyches is also breaking down like dead you know, rotten material and then transforming that energy into growing the next aspect of our, of ourselves. So Hmm. when we ingest mycelium into our bodies, it's, it's doing that. So not only are you then physically connected to the earth in a way that you haven't been before, because you're literally physically ingesting it, you're also doing that to your mind as well. So you're just connecting to they call it the internet of planet earth mycelium so that's what mushrooms are so look at mycelium go down that rabbit hole it's amazing how do you spell that m-y-c-e-l-l-i-u-m and how do you spell philocybin (laughs) p-s-y i p-s-y there's like a C in there and some B's and I's and M's. It's, yeah, yeah. I, I'd have to write it. Yeah. The first thing that came up in my Google search when I typed in mycelium was mycelium wallet. Apparently they make wallets out of this. Weird. Yeah, maybe. Kind That's of weird. Hmm. Yeah. That's super interesting though. Yeah. Yeah. Look it up. There's some really cool pictures as well. That's cool. I'll have to look it up for sure. Um, so early on, um, Adam, you had asked me about why I kind of went down the path or what brought me down the path of, of trying holotropic breathing and then getting into psychedelics and such. And, uh, mm-hmm. I actually realized that I missed a step. So a while back I heard about lucid dreaming and, uh, basically it being a way to tap into your subconscious while you sleep. And so for those who don't know, mm-hmm. lucid dreaming is the ability to wake up within your dream and control the world around you. Um, and a lot of people have talked about using it to to kind of break down that ego because you can kind of bypass your conscious self and, and access your your subconscious. Mm-hmm. And so originally when I was feeling blocked up, lucid dreaming was actually the first thing I tried to do. And I, I wasn't discipl- as disciplined as I should have been. So I never actually got really good at doing it on command. But I did lucid dream a few times and it, it was a pretty incredible experience. So Amanda, like, have you or or Adam, have you guys ever lucid dream before, or do you know how to how to lucid dream? Um, yeah, but I want I want to hear yours first because <laughs> you were talking. <laughs> I'm curious. So you said a couple of times, like maybe a handful of times, you were able to wake up in your dream and be like, "Oh, like I'm awake right now." Yeah. So so the very first one, um, I actually didn't realize it was a lucid dream because I didn't know what that term was. Right. Um, but I woke up in my dream and my dream, I was a, like a bodyguard for some, like for some children for a really high profile man. And <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> <So> awesome. <random. laughs> I know. Oh my God. <laughs> 
Um, but in this dream, I was basically tasked to protect them. And so these, these bad Aww. guys were trying to attack this high profile guy by going after his daughters. And so like we were walking down the street and I remember I like saw this, um, this van pull up and I was like, oh, we have to go inside this building. And it was a, it was a hair salon. <laughs> And I, nice. I basically, I remember being like, we need to protect ourselves in here. And so I, I made some wood show up and I like boarded up the, the building. And then this van, I saw them getting out across the street and they were going to try hurt these little girls. And so I went across the street and I had a shootout with these bad guys. And <laughs> wow, it was awesome. Like I was, it was a, just a superhero in it. It was, it was, it was really awesome. And I remember like I had this really epic long talk with these little girls like the kind of like typically you'd see in the movies where it's like really inspirational and be like you're gonna be okay and i got you and all it was yeah (laughs) that's so cute yeah i feel like i feel like that was your like protector archetype in your subconscious um like getting to like live its best life in that experience you know what i mean cool yeah 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 that that would make sense i've never sat back and analyzed that one but yeah that's a it was a fun one (laughs) that's so cool i love it So do you remember, do you remember how you woke up in the dream or what caused it? Or was it like, you know, I don't. And both times I've lucid dreamed, I don't remember what caused it. I know that the second lucid dream I had, um, it was different. I had way more control over the scenario and it was way more fun and less epic, but, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) or less like uh, hero oriented, but, um, I don't remember what it was that allowed me to wake up. I just remember being aware that I was kind of in charge of the story or in charge of what was going to happen. And like the very first one where I was this bodyguard, I felt I was only in control of myself. Um, Yeah. Whereas the second time I lucid dreamed, I was in control of the whole world. And the second time I lucid dreamed, actually, (laughs) this is a really funny one. So like even more funny. So I woke up i realized that uh i was in control of myself and i was in control of the the environment around me and so the first thing i tried to do was fly and so because i i wanted to fly so i i flew into the sky and then i was like well this is really cool and i was like really excited about it so i had the whole like all the everybody be allowed to fly and so everybody was flying and then i had them throw a party for me and there's like a congratulations <laughs> banner and like we were all flying through the sky and there was like fireworks and stuff and then i <laughs> i i made this convertible this red convertible like t-bird appear and so i was like sitting in it kind of like grease lightning where they fly off into the sky after but i like sat mm-hmm. in it and i flew away and i was like it's time to wake up now and i just flew off into the distance and woke up it was awesome <laughs> oh my god wow. i love it so much wow <laughs> so completely different like they were both like very I'm different like, yeah. i'm like you have such like a, a man brain <laughs> like of course some dude you just want to get in a t-bird and like yeah. fly off <laughs> not to be sexist or anything but no that's no. so funny i love it Adam, have you ever lucid dreamed before? No, but that sounds awesome. Yeah. But no, I've <laughs> it is been, awesome. definitely never experienced something like that. Okay. We do have a That's book so cool. that, Car- that Carl Jung wrote. And I think he talks right. a lot about, about that stuff, about dreams and lucid oh, dreaming yeah. and stuff like that. And just their symbolism and everything like that. And yeah. kind of how we can... I should lend you that book, Carl. I think you'd probably find it fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd love to read it for sure. But yeah, it's kind of, I feel like dreams are largely so we can like process and experience things 
psychologically that we don't necessarily have to actually live through in the waking world. So we can, you know, say you're mad at your dad for your whole life. Like you can then begin to address those issues and have those conversations through the dream time if you don't feel safe or able to in the real world and things like that, just as an example. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I know it's a huge topic and it's extremely mysterious, but yeah. yeah. So what's been your experience, Amanda, with lucid dreaming? Um, so, so I've, I've had a few, I'm, I'm by no means at all an expert. Like I'm, I'm extremely novice at it actually, but mine are almost always about, um, like manipulating physical reality. So, um, so if I'm like going along in my dream, do, 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 and then something happens. And for whatever reason, I realize I'm awake, I will like immediately start to like, I even one time I like, I was like walking along a bike path kind of thing. And I like looked down at the bike path and I knew I was dreaming and I'm like, I know that this isn't solid. So I literally just like, like put my hands into the asphalt and started to like pull Mm. it apart, like Play-Doh. And like my brain gets so much satisfaction out of being like, see you guys, like I told you none of this is like what we think it is. Like, look, I can just like take this sidewalk and like melt it with my hands. And like, um, uh, definitely a lot of it is about flying. Um, and as I'm thinking about it, I think, I think a lot of it might be ego gratification as well. Cause almost all of them, I'm in a situation where say I'm at like a big festival or I'm at a party and like, I'm in the backyard and all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, I like, I realize that I'm dreaming. And then I'm like, Oh, Hey, everybody watch me. And I'll essentially do these like insane, like breakdance moves, but like in the air, like spinning, (laughs) like, you know, just like things that were definitely not possible or as we think, um, in real life, like lots of levitating, lots of teaching people how to levitate. Um, yeah, it's almost like it would get to the points where I'm teaching people how to, how to manipulate their physical realities. And it's very, very lucid and very real. And I'm like, okay, you guys listen, like just breathe this way and like do this action. And then you'll be able to do that too. So it's, Mm. it's really cool. Um, but like I was telling you guys on the break, I, I did a little bit of a course in Guatemala. It was called the moon course. So it was exactly 30 days long from full moon to full moon. Um, and in week hmm. three, we did talk about lucid dreaming and astral traveling. And so one of their cues for lucid dreaming is so you essentially keeping a dream journal is like the only way you're going to actually really get into lucid dreaming. So hmm. every single night, wake up in the morning. Okay. First, um, first tip is that if you keep your eyes closed after you wake up, you'll be able to recall the dream so much better. Like even if you get up and have to go to the bathroom Mm. right away, as soon as you're there, like keep your eyes closed and keep trying to like relay the dream over and over in your mind. So waking up, keeping eyes closed is like step one to recalling the dream. Step two is recording it. So I actually just record it as like a voice memo on my phone instead of sitting there and trying to write it out. So I'll just be like, and then this happened and then this and then, and (laughs) so for lucid dreaming, one of the ways to wake up is, um, 
So if you dream that night, you wake up in the morning, you write down everything that couldn't really be possible in the real world. So for example, if Adam came to visit me in my dream and we're like chilling out being like, oh wait, but Adam's in Winnipeg and I'm in Calgary. So that doesn't quite make sense. Like how are we just hanging out when he actually doesn't live near me? Or like, oh, my mom came to visit me and she picked me up in a red truck. I mean like, oh, but my mom doesn't drive a red truck. So that can't be real. So Hmm. you write down everything about the dream that couldn't be real. So if you get into that mind state, the next time you're you're in your dream you'll see something and you'll be like oh wait that that's not actually possible and be like oh i must be dreaming and oh and then you wake up and you're like oh okay i'm lucid now so for me because i follow the moon i'm always aware of when it's the full moon the new moon blah 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 my actually biggest trigger in my dreams is i'll be like outside somewhere and i'll see the moon and it'll be a full moon and i'll be like but it's not a full moon right now. It's actually closer to like a waning moon. So I'll be like, oh, I must be dreaming then because I'm not that in the right so cool. I'm Very not cool. in the right timeline. Yeah. So that's my biggest one, weirdly, I think because I pay attention to it every day. So so yeah, it's all about noticing things that couldn't be possible in real life. And then you'll be like, Oh, well then I'm obviously dreaming, and then you wake up and then and then you hmm. can proceed from there. Um so I find wherever you go from there is often largely about like your desires maybe that you don't get to live through in real life so mine for example is like I literally know that I can fly and I know that I can levitate but I just like can't in this world and it drives me nuts for some reason so (laughs) as soon as I'm lucid dreaming I'm like woohoo I'm breaking all the physical rules of 3d gravity or whatever um And things like I always find like the most insane crystals and like landscapes, like I'll just have these giant crystals, but I can like peel them apart, like segments of an orange and like, I don't know, just things that are like ridiculously magical, I guess, is is what I look for. Um, But some of the stuff that I learned in the school was actually really cool and it associates to the chakras. So I'm sure all everyone's heard of chakras by now. Um, so they start at the root. There's seven of them and they go up through the central channel of the body ending at the top of the head. So there's, you know, if you don't know, it's that's a whole other topic as well. You should look it up. But um, essentially, they're energy centers that contain the different like facets of life, for example. So like the very base of the chakra is like the root. So it's like your home, your family, your money, your house, your like stable life. And then you go up into like the more emotional centers and you go up into like the heart center of like love and feeling and you go up, you know, through the mind centers and all that kind of stuff. Um, so another thing you can do is when you wake up and you realize that you're lucid, you can ask to experience the world through one of those chakras, essentially. So when we're in our lower chakras, basically every night that we dream, we're in our second lower chakra, which is just, it's just chaos. Nothing makes sense. Things are just happening. It's all blah, 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 no rhyme, no reason, none of that. Mm -hmm. And then as you go up into the third chakra, That is actually the realm. So that's where I dream mostly. So that's the realm of like plants, animals, minerals, the earth. So one of the functions of lucid dreaming is to actually study the different levels of consciousness that you wouldn't normally be able to study in your waking life. So Hmm. for example, you'd be able to, oh, I'm dreaming. Oh, I'm going to walk over to that tree and I'm going to ask that tree what it's like to be a tree and like explain to me human what it's like to be a tree like how do you 
you know, drink? What is it like to have leave? So you can then begin to have conversations with things that are not of this world. Um, mm. Wow. And then, and then you go up, say, and then she says up into the heart chakra is where you can experience all of your past lives. So say you are lucid dreaming, you wake up and you ask to go to your, to your heart chakra, to your heart center. So the one time that I was able to do that, it was still fairly cloudy, but I went, I was basically again in like a giant crystal store and this woman passed me a big crystal of a horse. And I've always, as Adam can attest, I've always been pretty obsessed with horses. So my past life was definitely around like riding horses, or I even literally think like being an actual horse. Cause I like swear, I remember galloping and like eating grass and stuff like that so well we've also um, pretended to do that too well yeah and we spent our entire childhood on the trampoline being horses so anyways um so yeah essentially what you like and there's and she even says there's places like there's actual universities of consciousness that exist in the astral planes of of the human subconscious that you can go to and learn at night so you could be lucid dreaming you wake up and then you literally go to class and learn the healing arts or Mm. like honestly anything um so that's pretty far out that's pretty beyond i know i'm kind of getting carried away but um essentially it's just just ways for the mind to expand and to explore all facets of consciousness without having to worry about the fact that you're in a physical body. It's like, Oh, I'm, I really miss my brother. I'm just going to travel to Winnipeg and I'm going to go there with my energy body and we're going to chill and we're going to have a conversation. Like, Mm. so I don't have to like get on a plane and like blah, 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 you know? So (laughs) again, our desires are what drives our instincts in lucid dreaming. I think. Yeah. Hmm. No, that's super cool. I think like um, our, our subconscious is is one of the most powerful parts of our brain. And I think that it's so untapped and so hard to access that things like meditation and, and lucid dreaming is, is a great way to do that. And yeah. uh, w- one of the, I guess, metaphors that I always had or that I that I, I knew when I was a while back, actually, it was that like your brain is like the captain and the crew, right? And you're subconscious mind is the crew like it'll do anything that you tell it to and and anything you ask it for and your conscious mind is the captain and what the problem is is that unless you can actually physically access the crew basically you you can't do uh, you can't get to the full potential of the human and so the the way that this was described to me at the time um, was that in our conscious mind, in our waking days, like you can have mantras or um, uh, I can't remember what it was called, but he, he suggested writing a, uh, a, in a notebook every morning, your heart's desires. And basically by telling yourself that repeatedly, it was a way to access your subconscious mind to work in the background to kind of make these things come hmm. true or to make your heart's desires come true. Cool. And I think that lucid dreaming is kind of like a hack to get into your subconscious without having to use your conscious mind. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because you'll uh, just do what you instinctively like wish you could always do. So yeah, absolutely. That's right. Uh, did you ever struggle with lucid dreaming that when you realized you were dreaming, you would physically wake up? I know a lot of people oh, yeah. have struggled with that where it's jarring to realize you're in a dream. Exactly. Yeah. Every usually you just get so excited that you like 
wake up and that definitely happens a lot as well so again with anything it's just practice and like telling yourself that you'll remain calm when you do Mm -hmm. wake up and I think having a direction helps like it's like oh when I wake up I'll just ask to you know see a past life or something for example like just have have an anchor point um another another tool that she said to use was basically as often as you can in your waking day just be like is this physical like am i physical is this real because your lucid state is just going to mimic exactly your waking state so if you sit there and just think about guitars all day long every day chances are when you lucid dream there'll be a guitar involved you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah for <laughs> so, sure <laughs> so it's it's basically just training your brain um every single day to be as present and like aware and questioning as possible so then if you do wake up in your dream you will be aware and present and questioning but if you're just in a haze and all confused and blah, 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 and, and not present to your waking life, you'll experience that exact thing in your lucid life as well. Hmm. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. Right. Really interesting. I, I, liked, uh, I liked that you had some applications for lucid dreaming in terms of exploring your chakras. The first time I actually heard about it was uh, through a friend of mine, and she was really struggling with nightmares at night. And it, Ooh, she yeah. was actually suggested lucid dreaming to fix the nightmares because she could take control of her dream state and, and yep. make it not nightmarish. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. Yeah. So there, I think there's a lot of applications for it. And if you've got the discipline to, to practice it, I think that it's something that's really valuable for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's so very, very cool. fascinating to me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I could talk about it forever, but I, I wish I experienced more of it. Like I get very, mm-hmm. I guess, lazy with it. Like I have pretty insane dreams most nights, but they're all completely out of my control. But I just think it's super fascinating. Yeah. No, that's very cool. Um, so I guess besides that, like we've kind of touched on all of our, uh, uh, topics that we wanted to talk about today. Was there anything else, Amanda, that you wanted to talk about that, uh, you wanted to tell our audience? Um, I think, I think just the general, and I think a lot of us are going through this right now, at least like the people that I talk to and like all of my tattoo clients and stuff, I feel like everyone is just kind of waking up to the fact that we are Mm -hmm. multidimensional beings. Um, but with that comes knowing that we have a lot of, you know, shadows and we have a lot of trauma that we've suppressed. And I, I think kind of it's like in style right now to do shadow work. I'm sure you guys have heard that term. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't. No. I okay. So, well, shadow work is just literally like going into yourself and and kind of excavating like you say, your suppressed emotions and things that you're blocked around and like childhood traumas and partner relationship traumas and all that kind of stuff. And it's basically just being like accountable and aware um, for yourself and why you do the things that you do, especially if you find that you're like triggered by things all the time. And if you're not very happy or if you're depressed and all these things. So um, yeah, I just feel like everyone kind of collectively right now is going through a journey of you know, going through those dark parts of our psyches and really bringing them to light and like treating them with love and acceptance mm. and 
just asking those inner voices to be heard because the more we suppress them the stronger they're going to get and I think that the truth kind of always comes to the surface and I really believe that we will be able to live our best lives if we can just make amends with with like the dark parts of ourselves and transform Mm -hmm. into a more just balanced person and so that's why the whole like you know positive vibes only it's like well, if you're feeling like shit, like you should actually honor that because it's a very like important lesson for you. If you like walk into a situation and you're massively triggered by something like that's very critical information to you in your life. So like pay attention mm-hmm. to that. It's like, you know, so um, that negative is how we, we adjust and move forward. Yeah. It's like what you're talking about is like toxic positivity is is a not a great thing no exactly (laughs) exactly it is toxic positivity but then on the other spectrum like you know doing the healing work and doing the work like that also is a bottomless pit that you can literally go infinite into either direction so you don't want to spend your whole life trudging through all the ways that your life sucked and like you're a bad person and blah 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 and oh i was abused as a child like it's really important to look into those things but the, if you dwell on it too much, again, you're not going to just go out and live a radiant and like joyful life either. So it's right. finding the balance, but basically just, just the whole, um, the platform of just personal transformation and then like self-love and self-acceptance is kind of the base of all of it. And for me, that's, those are the things that have transformed my life, like, and still are. Like, I feel like I'm just going through another phase of that now of just like, like actually learning what self-worth even means and like actually understanding what self-esteem means. Because if we want to do things in life, but those voices inside our head hold us back and be like, oh, well, you, you probably could never make that happen or, oh, you don't deserve to have that happiness and all of that kind of stuff. It's like, Mm -hmm. that sucks for people. It's like, no, we want to go for our dreams and we want to you know, have healthy and happy relationships of all kinds. And yeah, so just noticing ways that we hold ourselves back and really look at that and just try to love our way through that, essentially. And there's like billions of medicines for that, whether it's dance, yoga, art, music, cooking, literally whatever you love doing, Hmm. (laughs) essentially. Yeah. Right on. Well, beautiful. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That's awesome. That is, that is beautiful. Yeah. Do you guys have thoughts about personal transformation or? Uh, yeah, I think that transformation, um, I don't know if it's always necessary, but I think that when it comes to you, like you should accept it. Like clearly like your life has seasons is the way yeah. I've always called it. Right. And, yeah. and mm-hmm. those seasons help you grow and the negative experiences give you feedback on how to grow and handle them better in the future and also give you a lot of insight into your own Self, and I think that um, learning about yourself is kind of our goal in life. Like, if if I think about what I know about myself now compared to what I did in like as a teenager, mm-hmm. like it's it's pretty dramatic. And I'm not sure that for me personally, it's been a transformation, but more of a journey. And so I think that some people have really dramatic transformations, and some people have more journeys. And I think that there's a mix of both. Yeah. But ultimately just just be open to it and and um I think that uh taking on a life of always learning and always being open to new ideas and always being open to feedback is kind of how 
you get the furthest in life. And I think Mm -hmm. the furthest in life you can get is Mm -hmm. like truly knowing yourself and having that self love. And, and I guess it's kind of almost like, uh, um, Buddhist to say, but like, that's a path to enlightenment is what it is. Right. Exactly. Hmm. And having fulfilling relationships then with the rest of the world, like whether that be humans or nature or whatever, it's like the more deeply, you know, and love yourself, the more you can engage with the world around you and, and then affect mm-hmm. positive change and all of that. Yeah. Totally. Love it. Yep. That's exactly what the world needs right now is positive change. Oh man. hundred percent. People to it's dive craziness. into their, themselves and yeah. reflect positive change for sure. Yeah. It's wild, wild times. Mm-hmm. It's like every single day there's a new news headline about something horribly tragic. <laughs> You're just like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm not surprised by now every day it's something insane but mm-hmm. again it's the great purging like if we don't detoxify things they become diseased and same with the human mind it's like we need to detoxify the way we've been living because it's diseased and yeah. our planet like can't take it anymore so mm-hmm. gotta cleanse yeah. and purge yeah exactly cool so uh i guess amanda like what's your future plans for tattooing and do you want to tell our listeners like where people can go to book appointments and look at your art and where they could even contact you if they've got more questions about anything we've talked about today. Uh, yeah. So my main platform right now is Instagram because it's really user-friendly and simple. Um, mm-hmm. So my handle is living prayer tattoo, all one word. Um, so you can just message me through there, check out my art, um, just see kind of the style that I do. And um my email is is the same. It's livingprayertattoo at gmail.com. So yeah, I'm always open to answering questions. Um, for the time being, I'm pretty solidly booked until the fall. Um, but yeah, I'll be taking on clients from like September onwards and into the winter. And yeah, I definitely want to continue focusing on, you know, those deeper levels of transformation and tattoos that really have um, that deep meaning and purpose for people. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm just gonna, yeah, continue on the path. I love doing, you know, ornamental tattoos. So it's not necessarily specifically like just a blob of an image that you like stick on somebody. It's like tattoos that like accent and adorn parts of the body and they have that kind of spiritual energy tied in. And I love Mm -hmm. doing botanicals and sacred geometry and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, you can check it out. Perfect on my Instagram. What is botanicals and sacred geometry? Uh, botanicals is just anything like, like plants and herbs and flowers. Like, like you just take things from nature and, and do those designs on people. And then sacred geometry is kind of the, um, it's the original language of just like shape and form. So it's a lot of, you know, circles, triangles, just yeah just shapes Mm -hmm. that have different meanings and representations to them so it's like the language of light i guess you could call it like if you were to take sound you know when you uh you know what cymatics you take like a a board full of sand and then you put speakers around it and and um you know play a tone the sand will actually form into these sacred geometry patterns so it's basically the visual representation of of sound essentially yeah cool awesome i love sound yeah who doesn't love <laughs> sound, sound is great 
Sound is like the best. <laughs> Without sound, you wouldn't be able to hear this podcast. I know, right? So Without good. sound, you wouldn't be able to listen to life-changing music. And- exactly. Yeah. And speaking yeah. of speaking of sound, we always ask our guests at the end of the show about kind of what they're what they're really into, what they're listening at the moment, which Kyle and I tie into our here's what's spinning episodes. Okay. So Amanda, is there is there any is there any albums, artists out there that you're just in love with right now that you think the world should know about or Kyle and I should know about? Um, yeah, let me think. It's funny in the last I go through huge phases of like um silence actually because I don't like hmm. electronic things always in my environment. So honestly, I don't think I've listened to mu- like music in like weeks. <laughs> Cuz I just I like to I don't know, just listen to the universe. It sounds weird. Um but I'd say recently I stumbled upon London Grammar which I am completely obsessed with. She has the most incredible voice. Um, okay. I'm not like a, a music nerd, so I, I'm ignorant and I actually don't even know where the band is from and what they're up to these days. But um, yeah, listening to them has been like crazy amazing. I'm just trying to think. I just listen to a lot of like kind of ambient, um, like electronic chill honestly like bonobo Mm -hmm. is one of my all-time absolute favorite artists he's from the uk Mm -hmm. and um yeah things along those lines i also honestly just love going to youtube and putting on like um like hindu chants (laughs) so they like chant Mm -hmm. you know the songs of shiva or Mm -hmm. you know the songs of ganesha and it's just like really rhythmic and melodic and they've got percussion and they've got singing and i just find it's like super relaxing and lovely to listen to um yeah that's all great that's cool that's that's what's on my stuff right now yeah maybe the best thing we can tell people is just maybe don't Maybe don't listen to that stuff. And like you said, just listen to the universe. (laughs) Yeah, I just think it's really important to unplug from electronic frequencies because they are free radicals and they they are damaging to the energy field. Um, In that same breath, though, of course, amazing healing music is extremely powerful. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't mean that listening to music is harmful, but you know what I mean? Totally. Just being constantly yeah. plugged into Wi-Fi, like with your brain, is is not mm-hmm. good for you. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. One of my very first uh, experiences with you, Amanda, and when we met, uh, you had just recommended to Adam Cradle of Filth. Right. <laughs> and so this is this is this this is a far cry from that. So I just I wanted to bring that up just to kind of wrap up. Oh, yeah, show. that was my that was my goth phase. Yeah, Cradle of Filth. And, but you guys know Opeth. Like Opeth is yeah. still exceptional music. I don't know if I'd say the same totally. for Cradle of Filth, but um, <laughs> yeah, I love I all only, that. I, I still only that like that one Cradle of Filth album, the Midian album. Midian, yeah, for sure. That's too funny, just, Kyle. Did you ever get into that stuff? Like, yeah, about that time, it would have been that Midian album as well. Right. But uh, um, there's a few songs that I still think are pretty good. Like Nymphetamine stands out. Mm-hmm. Right, it's just right. like a good, well-written song. Right, right? totally. Oh, I love that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Opeth is definitely still in my library, and I know that you had uh, introduced Adam to Opeth as well. So yeah, that's, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that was all from my boyfriend at the time. Um, he was just like this long-haired metalhead, so he had all sorts of crazy music. And but actually, Jeez. 
um i found i found a cd in his room and he didn't even know what it was so i brought it home and listened to it and it was sigur ros and i was like you know the icelandic band and i was like oh yeah what so is this and i just listened to it on repeat like literally all day and all night completely obsessed hmm. with cigarettes so that was my um intro to them so i think he showed me lots of trippy music and yeah well, he's he's the reason why i got introduced to dream theater oh really jeff was oh wow yeah because oh. he was playing one of their albums when you guys were hanging out in your room yeah. And I remember hearing it. Yeah. And I was like, he was playing the Scenes from Memory album. Okay. I love that. And I remember hearing Isn't it and being cool? like, what is this? Really? And my life was <laughs> changed forever. Oh, I had no yeah. idea. I forgot all that. That's so cool. Aw. I love that. Dream theater. I've never been the same. Exactly. <laughs> also, um, before we leave here, where is, is Sadie there? I want to... Is she there? Yeah. Do you want What's she doing? Is she being cute? She just trotted into my room. Do you want do you want to record all this or she... should we finish up? Yeah, why not? Okay, let me yeah, go get her. I just want to see her. <laughs> oh, okay, girl. Why not? <laughs> Look at her. So hold on. Let me get Say hi, Sadie. So this is puppy Sadie. Hello. Oh. Speak. <laughs> and speak. Oh, look at that little face. I can't wait to meet her. So her breath smells like mushrooms. <laughs> and see, this is perfect. This is tying everything in together. And she, like, in first thing in the morning, she makes these little like gremlin sounds where she's just like, <laughs> like so in love and so cute. Oh, adorable. Yeah, so this is Sadie. I'm what a little precious bit, little thing. I have to go back to work in two days, and I'm, like, super nervous, because I can't leave her at home, because she's just literally a baby dog. Give her to mom, she'll be fine. Well, no, and I can't bring her to mom's four days a week. <laughs> so, anyways, so yeah, I might just bring her to the shop, and she'll be a shop dog, and I'll make a little zone for her to hang out and chew beef jerky, and hopefully she'll be stoked go. on that. Yeah. Perfect. Totally. Little Sadie making a guest appearance. Yeah. The first animal on our show. <laughs> Yay. I love it. Aw. Everyone tap, in, everyone tap into their energy fields so we can understand what she's saying. She's licking the salt off my hands. <laughs> <laughs> she's been like, mmm, um, salt. Mm, yeah, she's a good girl. Well, yeah, that okay, was super well, awkwardly fun. That was super fun. What Thank were you, you say very much what? for coming on. Yeah, I was gonna say awkwardly transitioning into our outro here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for coming on, and that was a lot of really interesting and eye-opening information. So hopefully, people cool. can find something really interesting and some value in in totally. all of that and all of our conversation yeah and we also we also have to remind people that we're not by any means experts in any of these exactly fields. yeah um yeah. yeah and we're all just we're all just talking about like our experiences with things and we're also not necessarily condoning like drug use or anything and saying go out there and yeah. tap into your spiritual self by exactly. doing a bunch of drugs exactly. it's like no we're just yeah, we're just talking about experience and yeah. uh, 
opening That's people's right. eyes. Think, yeah. Yeah. And I think like, uh, we're all big advocates for just making informed choice. Like make sure you know what you're mm-hmm. getting into if you do choose to do anything. Yeah. So. And follow your risks. gut too. If you don't feel good about it, don't do it. Just yeah. Yep, zero. There's no peer pressure. Yeah. And just know that you are enough just as yourself. Like you don't need any of this external stuff either. It's like, it's all within Mm -hmm. you either way. So however you get there. That's a great point. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So thank you for everyone that tuned in to today's episode. Uh, If anyone has any like questions, concerns, or anything that they want to add to our conversation, you can email us at adamkylepodcast at gmail. Dot com. We definitely like to hear from you. Uh, and thank you again to Amanda Rishog for joining us. Meow. It was really great. Um, you can find her. <laughs> you can find her uh, on Instagram and on Facebook at Living Prayer Tattoo. So you can go and uh, look up all of her work and book appointments through there. But she's booked up full because she's super awesome. So yeah. Um, so yeah, find her on those platforms. We'll include those in our show notes below. Um, and then remember to tune in every Thursday for brand new episodes. And we've got a new edition of Here's What's Spinning coming out next week. And remember to like, comment, subscribe, review our show on any platform that you listen to. And stay safe, stay healthy out there. And thanks for hanging out with us. Yay. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Hello everyone, it's Kyle here. Thanks again for listening to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed yourself. Please take a second to follow us on all of our social media. Links to our pages and any other material we talked about today are in the show notes below. Check back in next month for some additional conversation, laughs, and new music. And we wanted to give a big thank you to Adam's sister, Amanda Rishog, for designing our podcast cover image. She's a beautifully talented artist that has a tattoo shop here in Calgary called Living Prayer Tattoo. She specializes in fine line work, sacred geometry, and botanicals. Follow her online handle at Living Prayer Tattoo on Facebook and on Instagram, where you can find all of her work and booking information. And lastly, thanks again to Phoenix Song Productions for the continued technical and financial support which helped make this podcast possible. We'll see you next time.